Welcome to Voices of the Fairground. Episode 2, Gaff Day. I'm standing in front of an empty shop window looking at a bright orange poster with bold black lettering. It's coming. I've been seeing these posters pop up for weeks. We coast through humdrum lives, needing adrenaline and noise. The fair. Intoxicating. I can't wait. Show business. The lights, the, the, the sound of the engines. Human beings needs interaction, needs to have fun. Can't lock him up. R and R, plenty of rest and recreation. If you don't give them that, people wither on the vine because they need this energy of fun. It is vibrant and it is exciting. It's loud. It's boisterous, chaotic. For a few hours, it breaks away from what is normal and becomes a fantasy land that kids can enjoy. It takes us out of ourselves and into another world, into that tinny techno thump, hot pink sugar in giant round tins, the ancient hooker ducks a ghost train screech, all under a dusky blue sky and that warm flash of neon pulsing. It's the gaff day, the main fair day. I'm standing in line behind stacks of people, waiting for my turn to let my adrenaline flood my limbs. You know that moment where you watch the little carriage grind to a halt just up ahead? Punters stagger out, laughing, crying. And the carriage trundles along and slowly, slowly stops in front of you. Safety bars rise, gates swing open. Now you want to run for the hills, but you can't. Whatever the ride, roller coaster, swing boats, pirate ship, our relationship with it, it's conflicted. <laughs> what is it that makes us stand in line in the baking sun to sit down on a rickety ride and scream our lungs out? You put a solid gallopers on an ordinary fairground and it, it, it won't take as much money as a kiddie ride. It's eight people, it's not, it's not the most, a Sunday Gallop is not the most thrilling ride of the century because it fulfills the riding of a horse by the landed gentry. So that didn't frighten you to death, that was supposed to be enjoyable. You buy an orbiter where you frighten the living daylights out of people and you get the teenagers on there screaming. And that becomes your show. How you promote that and you DJ it and your lights and all that becomes the show in itself. And people, oh, look at that. You're pulled to it like a magnet. Guess what used to frighten me on the living daylight scale? The rotor. The Gravitron. 
twister, starship, or just looking at it would make me go to jelly. A huge, spinning lion's cage. You know the one. Piled in with 50 others and simply rotating. Faster and faster and faster. So fast that your face is being pushed purely by centrifugal force into the metal panels against which you're leaning. No bar or belt or any kind of restraint to keep you in place. A giant washing machine drum going at lightning speed with you magically plastered to the side. You can barely breathe and your eyes are clamped shut, but you're laughing your head off, so to speak, if only your head could actually move. Round and round you go with spectators too scared to brave it themselves, watching you. You, in this giant wheel of a cage, spinning and spinning and spinning, defying gravity. From Walter Death Rider at eight years of age, youngest in the Guinness Book of Records. Came a copper a few times, I've got scars here, and I've got one on my knee, well, I'll come a copper. If you didn't get a copper, Dad's attitude was get back on, get on. Stick a plaster on it, go on, keep going. And, I mean, if he if he could, there he was up there with another lion, the first car. If he could um, handle a lion, then there's no reason I couldn't handle running around there. No, it was fun. It was, it was, it was fun. I right up until 52, so I'd have been 12. Um, when eight, nine, ten, four, 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 five years, I was, I was uh, riding, I'd be wheeled out. And all my, all my clothes were Savile Row. My boots came from, from Savile, my, my jumpers, my shirt. That was part of the show. As I said, at that age, I couldn't reach pedals. I just stuck me on the seat. And my little bike, my little corgi, Anthony, Wall of Death. The Wall of Death is theatre. As against operating a fairground ride, like a JCB. And of course, its capacity was tremendous in terms of uh, turnover. It far outstripped any roundabout, because you could get 300 people on the top. You know, showing in sixpence in those days, and start riding at say ten o'clock in the morning till eleven, twelve o'clock at night. They're thirsty work. These rides. I go and find the kiosk for a cold can of pop, and facing the hungry queues are two women hair swept under caps and sleeves rolled up. They are entirely focused on the griddles in front of them. One woman deftly slides her cooking utensil under a sizzling burger and it flies into the bread bap. She looks up, smiles at the burger buyer, hands them their lunch and moves on to the next punter. I look again at the kiosk. Searing hot plate, donut machine fired up boiling tea urn, sun beating down. How do they do it? Anyone that's done my job will know exactly what I mean. It's the smell of the onions. Like, the, just the onions frying, it's just so, like, we're getting ready. And personally, for me, it's different for everybody else because they do a different job on there. I think we've got a pretty hard job. We had a pretty hard job. 
and we always used to discuss about it. Like, we've had a really hard job, we have. It was like onion, the smell of the onions and the candy floss and just different things, how hot it was, yeah. It's always boiling. I walk over to the Miami, a giant plastic glittery sofa. And as I stand in front of it, watching the fairgoers pile on and sit facing us, I wonder who's watching who here? I'm waiting for the show of their enjoyment, and they're fully aware of us on the ground, watching them, crowds in line. They clutch their safety bars, they eyeball one another, they eyeball us, and they stifle giggles. The buzzer rings out and the machine grinds into action, flinging them up, across, down, up, across, down, scream, giggle, shout, up, across, down, scream, giggle, shout, and then I glance down at the chair that's positioned next to the rope that's hooked across the entrance walkway. The girl who is running this show is reclined, feet up, leather cash bag slung over her back and she's scrolling her phone, oblivious to the rapture directly above her head. Scroll, tap, like, scream, giggle, shout. Scroll, tap, like, scream, giggle, shout. regular day, you'd sort of get up in the morning, you know, get out of bed, do a bit of maintenance or whatever, check things over. You, you might spend the day painting, whatever, washing things down, cleaning things up, doing a lot of jobs and general maintenance on the stuff. Joyful hysteria above, time passing quietly below. Scream, giggle, shout, scroll, tap like. Just another day at the office. It's like a quiet day, you know, you're going to be sitting there for eight hours open, there's not many people around, so you know, you'll read the paper in the box and just generally piss about and just while the time away. It was just my narrative, it's just not quiet. Whilst she scrolls her phone, another fair worker joins her. Coffee cups in his hands. He holds one out and looks over her shoulder at her screen. She takes the coffee and bats him away. I go off in search of the ghost train. Spray-painted clowns with fangs, Kruger's claws, drooling wolves. I've always found the plastic ghosts and wispy-haired skeletons ridiculous. The sudden shift of direction in the tiny train through plastic doors, hilariously disorientating. The drop-down scream face and pop-out red eyes giggle-inducing, and the low bars you can't quite cram your knees under, all part of the tension. Am I really safe in this? But the ghost train is my favourite, along with the waltzers. I love it. Giving yourself over to the blanket of dark, inviting terror. It's like the ghost train is a cartoon version of the fair itself. Dark, edgy, slightly scary. Real fears for those that run the fairs. Because anything can happen. Everyone meets up at the fair, so you get all like, the local gangs from the area come down and meet each other, and there's always like, it always sort of goes off with the two gangs. Yeah, it has changed because obviously there's a lot more 
you've got to have like a fence and you know gates and all that kind of stuff where it wasn't like that years ago it was like completely open just there was no security for us either you know and people could just come in from any angle and like like gang fights and things and you have to end up getting involved in the end because your entire livelihood your family and everything you own is on that field tonight this park is the showman's home turf. It ain't nice like it used to be, it ain't pleasurable, you never know what someone's going to pull out on you. He kept breaking into dodging glass. Breaking in, breaking out. At the beginning, when it was happening, I thought they'd be coming to take our money off us because we'd been busy that day, it was nothing to do with us. They had a bit of a battle with all these lads outside. Outside. We thought, oh, something's happening, you know, we're going to kick off on the gate here, like something. Take him over there. Comes back. It was a torture. It was really scary. So that's something you wouldn't want to see again. There's nowhere to throw some people out, is there, when you ain't got a fence? The local lads were throwing fireworks, so we were all like geared up to have a fight. And, and they were with fans, you know what I mean? They were, they were what they are. Anything can happen. Anyone can turn up. A man in a bomber jacket leans against the fencing at the front of the fair. He twirls his bunch of entrance wristbands between his fingers and looks upwards. His cheeks are lit up by the spray of gold and silver sparks that rain across the sky. This is his favourite fair, and he loves getting asked back to this one. Summer fireworks. Magic. Near the entrance, a lad, alone, steps out of the dark and up to the fence. He's sizing up its height and looking at the price list. Our bomber jacket security guy sees him out of the corner of his eye and makes a show of turning to look directly at the lad. And the lad boldly steps closer and bomber jacket stands his ground. They square up to one another beneath the silver sparks. Bomber Jacket looks the lad in the eye. The lad blinks. And then Bomber Jacket really looks at him and smiles. The lad's shoulders soften. And I have to get on top of that, you know what I mean? Communicate with them, you know. Have the pistol come out of it sometimes. Just see more that. Just keep working on them, you know what I mean? But it's hard. Hard. I said, there's an old saying, lad. Give respect, get respect. Give no respect, get no respect. You can blame you all day long, but you'll stay outside of that thing. But when you're all right with me, and you're ready to be all right, just say to the security, come and see what. And I'll come over and then you get your chance. I'm in a quiet corner of the fair. Yellow ducks float in circles and children bask in their candy floss clouds. Content with the safety of the target shooting gallery, a kid skips up to the kiosk and slaps his tenpence piece on the bar. He's Clint Eastwood in the outlaw Josie Wales. He's Jimmy, John and Gregory in How the West Was Won. 
He's Emilio Estevez in Young Guns. Someone hands him his rifle and he aims. Fires. A tin can clatters to the floor. Pigeons scatter. The kid holds out his arms for his reward and a yellow and pink elephant is pulled from the highest shelf. Then, off he swaggers, barely visible underneath his giant prize. And the guy at the shooting gallery can't believe his eyes. No one has ever hit that top tin in all the years he's been running the range. Because the first day I went in, it wasn't that good, and then the next day, uh, someone won one of the big prizes, and that's like a, a no, no, no one's allowed to really win the big prizes. And I was in there, someone won the big prize, and so I was like, bad luck. <laughs> so I had to go back to the kiosk. A slow swoop, rush of air. You're raised up, then higher and higher again, and soon, way above the crow's nest, which is now beneath you, then above you, beneath you, then above. Arms up, looking down, butterflies turning, and your belly is gamboling. I'm sitting in the middle of the pirate ship, absolutely loving this epic swing. Graceful toing and froing, almost turning full circles. The girl from the Miami has come for her break. She sits at the stern and smiles at her coffee guy from her almost vertical place in the sky. He smiles back, eyes lock, butterflies turn, bellies gambol. All the lads always want to work on the water because you spin the cars around all day, spin the girls, don't you, it's all that testosterone-filled atmosphere. Like that, there was a lot of girls on there that were interested in the boys and, you know, that was their thing, but we just... Well, I think we like to just go in, in the atmosphere, I, th I think. But the music and the lights just being at the fairground. Warm evenings, fizzy pop and sweets. You all came down and congregated at the fair and it was like the afternoon out for you all and just the evening out for you or whatever else you did. It, it, it seduced her on the waltzers. She worked for my gaffer's daughter in the kiosk. She was a burger flipper, weren't you? And a candy floss mecha. They would make sure I'd get home, so it was just like it was meant to happen all at the right time. The music, the lights, anything can happen at the fair. Under the hook-a-duck roof, a kid is fixated on her potential haul. Plastic shields and swords, sweets in cellophane, neon bunnies. She's frozen, can't take her eyes off the goodies. The teens tumble out of the dodgems, reliving their head-on collisions. I walk on, past the hot tea queues, a breather for tired, happy parents, past bouncy slides, through waves of squeals and euphoria. And there's a quiet spot round the back of the twister where I see the man with his high-vis and bunch of keys sitting alone, rolling his shoulders, and taking it all in. A family of five, sleeping baby in a pushchair, toddler, kid, two adults, 
all walk past. They beam at him and wave. Just another day at the office, where the kid he used to chase off the fair for sneaking back on the dodgems, now brings his own kids to the fair. You know, made loads of friends over the year, and them kids now, they're fathers. And they bring their kids down to the fair now. And it's lovely. But I know such a lot of people in Smallleaf, you know, as Sparkill, as Ward End. I mean, you know, when I'm putting my posters up at night, and I can be out down the Stratford Road or down the Smallleaf, you know, in Smallleaf Town, and it can be 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll have young lads pull up in the car, double park, and say, Yo, Rob! Rob, you all right? And they'll say, You still look the same, man. You still look the same. And I love that. I love that interaction of seeing them. They was half of them was villains back in the day. You know what I mean? It ain't always been sweet. I've been on there for that long in the end that they come over with their own kids in the end and stuff like that. So, well, their kids would come over and say, "Oh, you knew my mum, didn't you, back in 1990?" <laughs> did I? I'm a builder of friendships, you know. And it, 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 I think one of the highlights once for me really was um, once at, at Small Eve at, at Eid, and this was the night before Eid, you know what I mean? And you, you only know really late when it's going to be. You know, we're built up in there ready, and it can be this day or that day. You know, it really builds your, like, your tension up, you know what I mean? Everybody keep asking you, when, when's Eid? And I said, I don't know, we've got to wait for the moon. And I said to them all, I said, look, you go home. I said, and I'll go out the park tonight because it's a very special event. It really is to many people in one place, you know. And it's so lovely to, to see people, you know, practicing the religion. Their belief is so strong. And, and you have a day and all them thousands of people and there's no trouble. It's lovely. You know, it's, I'm really pleased to be part of that. It's an highlight, really. The young father slows up and walks over to our showman. They shake hands, talk for a while. One of the children points at the candy floss fan, grabs at his dad's hand and on they walk. Our showman checks his watch. There's little time to rest. He stands, stretches and walks from his quiet edge of the fair back into the crowds squeals and fun to attend to before it's time to pack up and move on. In this episode, you have heard the voices of Anthony Harris. To see my waltzer in full steam. Fran Lloyd. Me and my friends, we would follow the fair round. Jason Lloyd. And everybody would be inside the waltzer. Joe Wilkinson. Seeing your blood, it's what my grandma and granddad done. Robert Wilkinson. My mum and dad have two who passed. Hook a duck and a bingo. And me, Rochi Rampal. The original interviews were made by Alex Howell and Nicola Churchill. The composition and sound design is by Duncan Grimley. The podcast was directed by Steve Johnston. It was made possible with support from Sandwell NBC's Museum and Arts Service, with funding from the National Lottery Heritage Fund, thank you all you National Lottery players, and Sandwell Museum and Arts Service. 
This series was produced by Black Country Touring as part of its Black Country Stories podcasts. So join us next time as the rides are packed down and the fair hits the road.